it's the next level. Hmm? Ah! Oh. Well, that's on that key. My life flashed before my eyes. And then I was back in the jungle. Still on this bloody island. But those flashes, Charlie, those flashes, they didn't stop. So, you tell me you saw a flash of Claire drowning this morning. That's how you knew how to save her. I wasn't saving Claire, Charlie. I was saving you. This morning, you dove in after Claire. You tried to save her, but... You, you drowned. What are you talking about? I didn't drown. When I saw the lightning hit the roof, you were electrocuted. And when you heard Claire was in the water, you... you drowned trying to save her. I dove in myself so you never went in. I've, I've tried, brother, I've tried twice to save you, but... the universe has a way of course correcting and... and I can't stop it forever. I'm sorry. I'm sorry because... No matter what I try to do... You're gonna die, Charlie. Welcome, everyone, into another episode of We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited. I am one of your two wonderful co-hosts, Ben. <laughs> and I'm your <laughs> <Sorry>. other... <laughs> ben. I stopped suddenly, Blank. Ben. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say your last name. <laughs> well, Ben Beck. I was about to, and then I stopped and realized, wait, we don't do that on this podcast. No, we do not. No, we're just Kristen and Ben. That's it. The the best of friends, Kristen and Ben. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey, I'm Kristen. Welcome to our podcast. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're just like, Kristen and Ben. Hey. Like, it's, oh, God. We're already off to a ridiculous start. Just, we've been on the phone for an hour already. So <laughs> he started recording and didn't tell me. So, it, you know, this is just one of those, one of those mornings. I'm uh, I'm recollecting back to a review that was left on the podcast, like early, early, early on, like back when we were still doing season one, where somebody said, you're talking about loss, like, you know, buck up and have fun with it. Are we having enough fun for you now? We're always having enough fun. <laughs> we always have a blast doing this. <laughs> I don't I don't read reviews. Isn't that weird? I don't I, either. I haven't read them in a while. Well, 
So not to get off topic, but (laughs) since we already are, but after doing my last podcast with Game of Thrones, the reviews that came in were just so mean and horrible. And like all these awful people came out that I just, I made a deal with myself that I was just going to always have fun and I was going to do what I wanted. And I wasn't going to care about the reviews or the haters because, you know, I then the fun is taken away from it, you know. So, well, well, I want to I want to preface that too by saying like you had a ton of great reviews too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I don't I don't want people to get the impression by what you just said it was mostly negative. That's not the case. It was mostly positive, but those negative reviews, as with anything, always just stand out more. Well, because they're the almost stuff. hateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't I don't really read reviews too much anymore. I I'll go on to see if we have reviews, but I don't really read them. But please review the podcast. It helps yes, us absolutely. with it helps us get attention about it. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree with that completely. Anyway, I, I mean it, if if you want to leave a review, I mean it we definitely appreciate it because like Kristen said, it definitely does help the podcast get mm-hmm. more attention on like Apple iTunes and Google I, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, things like that. Um, and be but be completely honest, um, just knowing that other people are going to read them and we most likely won't. So, but, no, but, that's not true. If, if you leave us a review, we do go and read them every once in a while. We just don't read them very often. Oh, yeah, I don't at all. But I also stay away from anything that's... <laughs> That's uh, that that could potentially hurt my heart. <laughs> it's either way, whether your review is extremely positive or extremely negative, uh, it's not going to change the way we do the podcast. Nope. I mean, that's that's a fair assessment of it. We we love doing what we do with this podcast. We love the way we do it. And that's that's the way we're just going to keep on doing it. So if you like it and you love it, we hope you continue to love it. If you don't, uh, apologies. I swear, yeah, I thought you were going to say, if you like it and you love it and you want more of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Anyways, back to our introduction. Yes. What this were we talking week, about? <laughs> this week, we dive further on down into season three with episode eight, Flashes Before Your Eyes. Yeah, I'm, I was flat. I was honest with you about this before we st- when we started talking, before we started recording, and I'll tell the listeners this right now. Uh, I love this episode. Mm. I don't have many notes. I really don't. Um, and, I, and I watched the episode twice. I have a couple little Easter egg things that I noticed that I made notes of. But as far as the story itself goes, I'm going to be relying pretty heavily on you because this is something that, to me, it was pretty straightforward. I mean, there's definitely some weird stuff going on. Well, I, yeah. And you know what? It's so funny that you say that because I don't, I didn't feel that way. Um, I love this episode. I love any episode with Desmond. I think that he's just one of those characters that he is on the screen and you can't help but just be completely attentive to whatever is happening with Desmond. I mean, I feel that way about this actor, though. Anything that he's ever in, whenever he shows up on the screen, I'm like, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm in, I'm here for it. Let's just see what happens, you know? Yeah. Um, but well, um, uh, Henry, I think this Ian is his Cusick, best. Yeah. This is his best role by far. Oh, absolutely! I mean, th- whenever I see him, this is the this is the role I I relate him to. I always, if I see him, if like if I saw him at a convention or I saw him like in a restaurant or walking mm-hmm. the street or wherever, I, I my I would automatically refer to him as Desmond before I'd even call him Ian. 
I wouldn't call him Desmond if I met him. I would call him Ian. But if I was with somebody and I pointed him out, I would be like, hey, look, it's Desmond. Because <laughs> that's what I think of him Charlie. as. Yeah, I still think you sound like Grandpa Joe talking to Charlie Bucket. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Give I just- your golden but I ticket love... or you're going to die, Charlie. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but I do, I, I do love this episode. And I think that this episode is actually- filled with Easter eggs because it's such, it's like this weird dreamscape episode um, of kind of Desmond's, Desmond's past mixed in with, with his, with both of his pasts, I guess, right? Because it's the last three years of him in the hatch that keep enter, entering into his past with Penny and this, you know, realization or this ongoing realization that he can perhaps change the course of events uh, that have already happened. It's just, it's such an interesting episode, I think. I, I had a lot of fun watching it and um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Oh, I did too. I mean, when we talk about the Easter eggs and such, like some of them are blatantly obvious. Like, you know, they put them in there purposely because they want the audience to see them. Um, and they want the audience to know, like, for example, parcel, I have a parcel for 815. And then we see Desmond kind of flash forward to see the numbers because he hears 815 and he sees that. So there are actually eggs, he like, hears four 815. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Um, but again, like it's those are very obvious Easter eggs that are meant that are, that were meant for the audience to pick them up. Right. There are still a couple in there. Oh, there's a whole bunch. That people probably missed. Um, Do we, you want to start off with that? We can. I mean, we can get to some of them. Uh, Let's I go mean, for we it. Can, we could talk to. We could talk a couple of them. Yeah. You you mentioned four eight one five, which are you know four eight fifteen. Three of the numbers that we got. Plus <laughs> eight one eight fifteen was the oceanic flight. So that was kind of like was a the double flight. Uh, when Desmond is getting dressed for his interview with Mr. Whitmore, the time on the clock is one oh eight. Yes, sir. Which is one hundred and eight minutes. Um, when when Desmond is in Mr. Whitmore's office, the photo on the wall is of a polar bear. Mm -hmm. So that's another one that is not as is pretty obvious, but maybe not drawn attention to it. And I think there's even a a scene where you can see the poster better and Namaste is And on an the upside down Buddha. Yes. Uh so obviously hints towards some of the things that are happening on that island. Well, um, and it's also the um the hint that Charles Widmore has a tie to the island. Uh, you know, we learn later that he used to be one of he's an ex leader of of the others. So this is kind of that hint towards that. By the way, this is a spoiler-filled podcast. Yes, yes, thank you for that. We, we tend to forget to mention that now. That's fine. <laughs> um, there is one Easter egg, and it doesn't pertain to the show. Uh, it's something that I have a feeling the writers threw in for the sake of throwing it in. And I don't know if you ever picked it up because, again- Is it the painting? No, it's the the Namaste painting or a different painting. 
there's a different painting. There's a, a painting that is used in uh, Claire's boyfriend's house in a past episode that is also used in this episode. But the producers said that it's just that the artist is one of the producers of the show and he just likes putting in his own artwork as set dressing and it had no correlation with each other but that oh yeah I missed that's that. just an extra piece of trivia no the one that the one that i saw um uh, that i picked up on and i don't know if anybody else picked up on this again it's got nothing to do with the show i think it was just something fun that the writers threw in there when desmond is in the apartment and they are and he's preparing for the interview there is a song that is playing in the background. Uh, and I oh, didn't... Building a Mystery? Building a Mystery by Sarah, Sarah McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's in my and, notes. Oh, okay. So you did... Wow. So you did pick up on that. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, it's Sarah McLaughlin. Of course I did. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I thought when I, when I realized that was the song that was playing in the background, I was like, okay, that's fun. Because that's exactly what they're doing. Like this whole aspect of everything is a big mystery. Yeah, I that was yeah, that was definitely well, it was then during that when I heard that song building because ever since we started doing this rewatch, now it's like I feel like I'm hyper aware of everything that's happening um, uh -huh. on the show. And so that's how I also noticed um the Wonder Wall with Charlie when he was with like, Charlie, You're yep. gonna be the one that saves me. Um, when he was singing. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. That's a good one, too. Um, and then, you know, of course, the the make your own kind of music that just was on throughout the entire episode, especially yeah, when we he hear was in it the two pub. or three times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I thought that that was really interesting. Also, uh, there were advertisements um, on the soccer game in the background. Yes, there were. There was Apollo Candy, uh, Hanso Foundation, Oceanic Airlines, Mr. Cluck's Chicken Shack. Uh, and Gannon Buddy's Car Diapers. Yep, Buddy's Diapers, uh, Gannon Car Rentals, Kronos, which is uh, a direct recollection to time. Um, Expose. What else? What else? What else? What else? There was something else. It was it was full of like lost like corporations like yeah, businesses right. from from the show right. But Mister Cluck's Chicken Shack, come on, that that's a pretty good one. Yeah, well, I mean Apollo Bar obviously is is a big one too. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, yeah, the Chronos uh, and the 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 Buddy's Diapers were just like there were so many on there that it's just yeah this <clears throat> this is just full of Easter eggs, right? This. It was very cool. I loved it because it was it it was full of Easter eggs that would have that could only have really come kind of from Desmond's time on the island, alluding to the people that were on the island with him, you know? Yeah. So I just I thought that that was great because in no other reality is Mr. Cluck's chicken going to be an advertisement of a um of an English or Scottish or UK based uh soccer game, football game. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's just, it's, and I'm telling you, I'm like, I'm usually the one that kind of gets you a little bit in something that I noticed, and you just got me in the whole Wonderwall thing. I don't <laughs> know why I never picked up on that, in the fact that that was why he was singing those lyrics was because of, was because of that. Yeah. Well, but, yeah. I mean, that was like the whole basis of kind of Desmond's 
um, friendship with Charlie, right? I yeah. mean, oh yeah, you you learn at the end. I wasn't saving Claire both of these times. I was saving you. You jag off. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. Uh, but I mean, yeah, like one of the things that we didn't really mention about this episode too is this is for the most part almost this entire episode is a flashback. Um, Twenty five minutes. And it doesn't, it's it's one continuous flashback. It doesn't go back and forth like most flashbacks do. Yeah, but is it a flashback? Well, and we'll see, that's the question. That's the mystery because it, if it is a flashback, it's an interactive flashback for Desmond. Or like, is it like a, a flash sideways? Because he was trying to change the past. It was like, it was, it was this weird flashback that wasn't really a flashback that was mostly like a dream sequence. Well, because we we do know that. See, here's the thing. Because I mean, again, being spoilerful, we do know that time travel definitely becomes a key part of the series. Not only do certain members of the of the uh, the cast and the survivors go back like 30, 40 years, uh, and end up having to live there for a while. Spoiler, sorry, but I mean, there's <laughs> characters like, oh God, not Miles. Um, I Daniel Faraday. Daniel Faraday, yeah. Yeah, um, whose mother appears on this show for the that's, first time. We don't know that yet, yeah. Right, but it is Eloise Hawking. But Faraday goes through something very similar um, Actually, later. sorry to interrupt you, both of Daniel Faraday's parents are on this episode. Yes, they are, because Daniel Faraday's father is Charles Whitmore. Which means his sister is also on this episode. It. Is she? Oh, well, that, oh, Penny. Penny. Yeah. Which another, that's another thing about this episode too. This is a good amount of Penny. Like we've had, we haven't gotten an inch. We, we've met Penny already a number of times at this point, but this is the first time we're really getting to meet Penny. Yeah. And I think that this was a really good introduction into Penny and kind of who she was, how, you know, we get that she's from money. We get that her husband, her, her, um, her father is very powerful. It's very, um, it's a lot like Sun, right? Except that, um, you know, Jin and Sun got married, whereas Penny and Desmond did not. And Charles Widmore uh, refused to let Desmond marry Penny and tried to give him a job as in the administrative you know, offices or something like that. Um, so there were a lot of parallels, I think, to Jin and Son and, and Penny and Desmond in the fact that <clears throat> it had to do with a powerful father, um, a prospective husband from a modest background, and um, a, a daughter who comes from a very wealthy background, but is a romantic yeah, and believes in love. And, and I think that's the biggest takeaway from that for me, too, is, you know, whereas Jin and Son aren't, I mean, they're definitely romance between the two of them. But when it comes to Penny, you know, a character, as you mentioned, who came from money and, and a will upbringing, you know, she's she's got her priorities in order and knows what's more important. Uh, and, well, I and think like it's you said, that's a cultural love. difference, too. I mean, in Asian culture, um, it is my understanding from, you know, I, I used to be a history major, so it is my understanding that in Asian culture, you're very, um, not, sub, not submissive is the wrong word, but you have a very healthy respect for your elders, for your parents, for your grandparents. Um, that that level of respect is um, 
is paramount in that culture. And and I don't think that it that it translates to Western culture as much. There's yeah. not that healthy respect. And it's, you know, Penny has a very she calls her father daft. We well, yeah, know, I mean, in this yeah, episode. Yeah, there's definitely that cultural aspect. Cause, you know, as you were talking about with Japanese culture, it's yeah, it's Well, they're Korean. Well, Korean, sorry. Um I'll, we'll say Asian culture, because that's that kind of is all encompassing. But um yeah, it, you're right. There's definitely different cultural aspects to that. So I, I can and see I really where the appreci- difference plays in between the two. Yeah, and I really appreciate the fact that the Lost uh, showrunners actually respect that those cultural differences and they show these two uh, similar dynamics in different lights. And I don't know if that was on purpose, but I do feel that they gave each of the cultures um, realistic perspective. It's I'm I'm pretty sure they probably did the research on that to make sure they were going to do everything properly because mm-hmm. they they were gonna they were gonna get notes if they didn't. Well, probably not back then. It would definitely happen here. There'd be a Twitter storm within oh, you know, God, minutes yeah. of the episode. Yeah, people would go crazy on social media. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you noticed the pin that Eloise Hawking was wearing. Yes, the snake eating the tail. The Ouroboros, yeah. Which is uh, basically, it's a symbol for like witchcraft and and such. Alchemy. Alchemy, yeah. So it's, you know, uh, there's definitely a lot of things in here. But I mean, with the exception of the Easter eggs that we mentioned, at least in my opinion, when it comes to Desmond's flashback, again, everything was pretty, was pretty clear. It was pretty out in the open. Um, you know, Desmond's trying his best to change the past because he feels like he has an opportunity to do it. But as you mentioned, does he really? Like, is this, what is this considered? Is this considered a flashback? Is this considered, did Desmond really travel through time? Is this all in his head? Um, you know, it's it's a matter, I, I feel like it's elements of all of it. I feel like he definitely did, because uh, again, we know that there is time travel elements, and I think this is the first instance of it. So, but I... But then again, like how then did Eloise know who Desmond was, you know, unless it was partially in his head? I don't know. I really don't. I'm curious what your opinion on it is. Well, so, yeah, I don't I. You know, a lot of what happened in the flashback or while Desmond was unconscious, um, whatever it was, you know, it has a lot to do with, well, first of all, it has a lot to do with Charlie. Um, there is a definite direct connection between Desmond and Charlie. Um, you know, I'm curious to know, I, I would be curious to know if uh, Desmond and Charlie actually did have that close of, uh, not a run-in, I mean, clearly they didn't have that conversation in the past uh, originally, but I'm wondering if when he did leave that Charlie was um, playing outside of that building at that time. If Charlie was actually there, yeah. Yes. Or if it was just kind of like a manifestation of, of um, of the dream sequence that he was having. You know, we we learn later in the episode that Desmond has been actively trying to course correct or not course correct, but change Charlie's fate. And that could have, that could be because Desmond 
was trying to change his own fate before he had to wake up from the dream sequence that he was having or the flashback he was having or the time travel that he experienced. When he realized that he could change his past, he was uh, hit with the cricket bat and he was sent uh, essentially sent back to the island. Um, so was this... And was he was this supposed to be a message uh, for him to try to keep Charlie alive until Charlie could give that message to Desmond in a few episodes of Not Penny's Boat? Well, see, I mean, you mentioned Desmond being hit with the cricket back cricket bat. And I kind of took that a little differently. Like we, we get that whole scene with the man with the red shoes and, you know, that Eloise points out and then mm -hmm. he gets crushed by the building and, you know. Eloise tells Desmond, you know, he's, you know, he says, you knew that was going to happen. And she, she nods. Yes. And he says, you know, it, she says to him, like, if he wasn't crushed by that building, then tomorrow he would have been hit by a bus. Or if he wasn't hit by the bus, something else would have happened. The universe has a way of correcting itself. And I feel like that was kind of the universe course correcting for Desmond. Like Desmond figured out with, by being in the pub that second time that he had the wrong day. He really can change his future. And bef but before he gets a chance to do it, the universe course corrects by whacking him with the bat and making him wake up on the island so that he doesn't have a chance to do it. Interesting. Yeah, that's that, a good point. That's kind of how I took that whole thing is that, you know, mm -hmm. again, in a way, that was the universe course correcting in that, okay, this guy figured out a way he can change the future. We have to put a stop to that. So yeah. the universe yeah. makes makes a move and boom, Desmond wakes up on the island. Um, as far as Desmond and Charlie's connection, I absolutely agree with you. There are there's definitely a connection between the two of them. But I, f I kind of feel like that's of Desmond's making because it's his choice. It was it was his choice to save Charlie. He could have let Charlie die if he saw that was what was going to happen. You know what I mean? But that's not his personality. It's, that's not what Desmond does. Desmond tries. De Desmond is somebody that's going to try and and keep people from from peril. Oh yeah, I I agree with that completely. But um, I, I'm not I'm not saying that's not the case at all. I definitely feel like Desmond is the stand up enough guy to do that. But and then, but uh, that was how I was feeling before. But now that you said, you know, maybe it was it was Desmond's destiny to keep Charlie alive long enough to give him the not Penny's boat message, which God, my heart sinks a little bit just saying those words. Um, again, that's coming. That's coming sooner than we we think it is too. Um, you know, because at, when Desmond saved Charlie's life the first time with the lightning rod. He had technically already gone through all of this stuff with the flashback because it was after he turned the key. That was when everything happened. So when he saved Charlie from the lightning strike, he already knew the knowledge that Eloise gave him about the universe will find a way to course correct. Right. So maybe he was just trying to prove her wrong that maybe she was just like this crazy old woman. Maybe. That that's that that deterred him away from proposing to Penny when he had the chance because she got inside his head. Yeah, that's a, that's a strong possibility. I mean, I don't know, right? I mean, I mean, that's that's kind of the fun of of talking these episodes out is that we can just 
throw out whatever, you know, wild theories we want. Yeah. And they're all right. (laughs) Yeah. Depending on how you look at it, any theory we throw out there is right because it's, it's, you know, it's all up to left to interpretation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to throw, I want to pose a question to you. um, And it's purely looking back to uh, being a first time viewer again. When the revelation is made at the end of the episode that every time Desmond did what he did, it wasn't Claire he was trying to save. It was Charlie. Do you remember what your initial reaction to that was? I remember that I was really surprised. I mean, because at that point, you know, I wasn't really looking for that type of an answer or, you know, I, what it looked like to me is that Desmond is using this new gift that he has uh, to, to help save others from death or destruction or something like that, which is interesting because, you know, he was with Locke and Saeed when Echo was um, about to be killed and he didn't foresee that. Yeah. Yeah. That maybe, I mean, maybe it's only things that are foreseen that maybe he can only foresee things that he can prevent or that, that he can intervene into because Echo might not have been within a, a distance of him to intervene. Um, they were right upstairs. Wait, what? They it, were in that. They were in that little hatch when Echo was being killed up above them. Oh, that's right. Desmond was with them. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm wrong on that. Well, I mean, unless he couldn't intervene with the smoke monster. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I. I, I really. Yeah. I, okay. I'm wrong on my initial thoughts about that. About That's him okay. being, being <laughs> intervening, being able to intervene. I actually have a question for you. Okay. What What do you think is the meaning of the color red throughout the episode? Oh, um, that's a good question. I didn't really put any thought into that. Um, yeah, because we see Desmond fall off the ladder with the red paint. Mm-hmm. Um, that that definitely comes into play. What are some other examples of red that happen in the episode? Uh, you also have uh, oh, the, red the man shoes. with the red shoes, yeah. Which is, I mean, it could be kind of like a like a nod to the Wizard of Oz, just because they had the whole like the scaffolding fell and the red shoes were poking out from underneath, kind of like the Wicked Witch of the West. But yeah, I think um, I could be wrong on this. I'm going to have to do a little more research on it, but I think those red shoes have popped up before. Uh, on oh, that's interesting. On somebody else. So um, I'm going to have to look into it a little bit to see uh, if that's the case. But but I think I saw something about it before. And then Desmond says later to Penny that he doesn't like the color red. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it. But then again, too, there's the picture of Desmond and Penny and he's wearing a red shirt. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. I just I I honestly was asking you because I couldn't figure out what maybe the the meaning behind the color red was for this episode because I felt like it was prominent and there was a reason behind it. But I couldn't figure out why it would be. Well, I mean, it, and I mean, and you're right. I mean, I think there might be a meaning behind it, and I, I'd have to think about it a little bit more, only because I mean, you look at red shirt 
you know, you look at the color red when it's used in television, you know, you look at, um, I, I, when, like when Boone and Locke were out and Boone was creating the path by tying, um, a shirt by tying cloth to a tree. I think it was from a red shirt. Um, you look at the television series, Star Trek, and there's the whole red shirt element about that is it's usually somebody who is destined to die. Um, you know, when anybody, when any, it, it's the, it's the popular joke with Star Trek. Like anytime somebody with a red shirt goes with the away party, they never return. Um, so I don't know. I mean, maybe it could, it, it has something to do with the destined fate of a character, but it do, it's not going to work with Desmond because Desmond survives. Yeah. I mean, I just looked up the color red symbolism of red and it says it's associated with meanings of love, passion, desire, heat, longing, lust, sexuality, sensitivity, romance, joy, strength, leadership, courage, vigor, willpower, rage, anger, danger, malice, wrath, stress, action, vibrance, radiance, and determination. Which I guess is kind of all the feelings in the flashback. Yeah, it kind of fits into a, a lot of those different elements of the flashback. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting that's an interesting thing that I'd have to I'd have to put a little more thought into and maybe even pay attention to see if the color red pops up in other elements of the series. In consideration of Desmond, especially. Yeah, I mean, because maybe it's something that's already been there that we just didn't notice until this episode. So we have to kind of pay attention to see if it continues for. Well, I mean, even another instance of the color red, look at the bottle of the scotch. Oh, red label. The McCutcheon 60 is a red labeled scotch. Yep. So, I mean, there are definitely elements of that in the episode that I kind of just kind of passed by me, I guess. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We're going to have to pay attention to that a little bit more going forward. Especially since he wears a very blue shirt on the island, which is more of a calming color, um, empathetic, cool. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Um, I'm just thinking out loud at this point. No, it's fine. I, I think that's pretty much what we need to do at this point. (laughs) Why not, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I, I might have covered everything I had for this episode. I don't know. Do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about with the episode? I do. Okay. Um, so we were just talking about, I had a, another question I was going to ask you, and now I need to think. 42. No, oh. that is. I'm not going to ask you what the meaning of life is. <laughs> I already know that answer. <laughs> Damn it. Good call. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> we were talking about red. And it's not the meaning of life. It's the answer to everything. It is. Well, yes. Which I guess the meaning of me- life kind of fits in there, but still. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> oh, it's gone, which is such a bummer because it was something that I really wanted to talk about and it's completely gone. Sorry. That's okay. I it's, threw you, you know. off. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, hang on. <laughs> now I got now now I gotta look. Yeah, it's so all right. Take sec. a look at your notes. That's what you're there for. I know. So sorry. Um, oh, that's what I was going to say. Okay. So, um, the, <laughs> I think that one of the 
one of the indicators that we were not looking at reality during this flashback was that they were in rainy England and Desmond was as tan as he was. <laughs> I I did not think about that at all. I did because when he took off his shirt to change um, when he came back uh, from his interview with Penny, um, well, when, when he was talking to Penny, it was just so, she was just very pale and he was so tan, like beach tan. Like there was just this huge contrast between the two. And I thought, well, this is an indication that this is not reality. <laughs> It's it's a good point. I, I didn't really think about it um, only because, I mean, it could have been that they were filming in Hawaii for so long that the, Ian might have just had a tan and there was really oh, no I'm way around that. I'm sure it's just it just struck me as um, as just really, really noticeable. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess <laughs> I, I just didn't I don't know. I didn't pick up on on anything with his tan. I'm not saying you're wrong at all. I'm just saying <laughs> I just didn't pick up on it. Maybe I should have well, watched this episode just, a third time. Well, that was just something that I noticed. Um, and then, of course, towards the end of the episode, um, I thought that it was really striking to see uh, what the hatch looked like. Yeah, it's really one of the first times that we get to see that because we see... Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, other than what Desmond sees at the end of this episode, the only other instance we see is just a big hole in the ground, mm -hmm. you know, when Locke and them are, are around it before. So, yeah, so that was it was kind of neat in some ways and oddly ominous to see what had happened to the hatch. Not to mention, you think to yourself, how on earth did Desmond get out of that? Well, I mean, and that brings up another good point. I mean, as to whether or not this was really a flashback or a flash sideways because we do know as we mentioned earlier that burst of energy causes issues with time travel um right uh, so maybe the fact that desmond survived that was because he wasn't there turning that key so release that energy that put him in the past and so that's how he survived the implosion of the hatch was because he wasn't there so when the when it when the when it sent him back, it sent him back to where the hatch should have been, but the hatch wasn't there anymore. Hence, why he woke up in the jungle naked. Which you could probably be led to believe that he could have been actually reborn into the island. Yeah, because if it was a flash sideways, that means that he would be deceased, or deceased-ish well, and it, then he's reborn into the island. I don't know. I mean, what? Look, I'm trying to figure out why he was naked. It, As is our friend Des who sent us the yeah. feedback about that. And that was the only feedback he sent was, why is Des still naked? Um, but it brings up an interesting question now when you ponder everything about that. Like, let's just say these flashbacks weren't really flashbacks, but this was Desmond transported back in time. Like he's, he's, he's brought back to his physical, his consciousness was brought back to its physical form back in the past. Let's just say he was able to leave that pub, go back buy the ring proposed to Penny. Would that in fact have changed his future? Meaning when everything imploded in the current timeline, Desmond really existed and the hatch implodes. 
everybody believes Desmond to be dead because he didn't wake up from it in the jungle as he would have, but instead he's now living a different life that led him to have never ended up on the island in the first place. And if that's the case, then um, then Oceanic Flight 815 never crashed on the island. Yeah. Um, that everybody eventually probably died on that island because there was nobody to press the button. Well, but I mean, see- it's like... A host of things, or if um, well, you kind of you kind of have a better understanding now as to why Eloise told him, like, no, this is not how this happens. Like, you have to go back and push that button because if the if the button wasn't pushed and all the events happened as she said, you're doing this to save us all. Um, you're right. Eight fifteen would have never crashed. Um, and Hurley would have never been on the island. Hurley would have never been on the island. None of them would have been on the island. Um, and probably most likely that all the incidents that happened from the button not being pushed would have happened years earlier. So the island wouldn't have even been there. Or all of this would have played out without these castaways having even arrived there well before they were even because we do know that this is back, I think, in like 96. As far mm-hmm. as timeline goes, that that's the point yeah. that he was in. So yeah, there was a lot of '90s music. <laughs> so you kind of understand a little bit better now, talking about this and kind of explaining it in, between you and I, as to why it was so important that Desmond not change things. Desmond is a key aspect to that island, and it's I. Now that we're talking about it, it's revealed more and more how important he really was to that island. At least leading up to that point, now. I don't believe not. he's not as important because now his main goal is to basically try and survive, is to keep Charlie alive. But his purpose has been served on that island, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does. Because it was only turning, well, that's and that's the thing too, it was only turning the key and releasing that energy that stopped the incident from happening. So what would have happened if that key was never turned? Because Eloise says you were there to save us all. Would the impact have been global? Well, definitely would have obliterated the island. Yeah. So had the universe not course corrected and hit Desmond with that cricket bat to send him back to the island, had Desmond instead gotten the ring and proposed a penny, there might not have been these characters to return the flight. Like the world might have ended. See, and I just don't think that he was in reality in this flashback. I just don't consider it to be a flashback. I don't know why. Um, at best, it's a flash sideways. But I just think that this is a dream sequence. I don't. But yeah, I if, don't know. But but at the same time, if it was, how did he end up naked in the jungle away from the hatch? How did he survive it? Right. He was in like so, the lowest part of that hatch. Right, right. He literally. So I mean, I don't know how he would have survived it if he wasn't somehow taken away out of that moment. But you know, Echo also was somewhere other than the hatch. Hmm, I don't know. But he, <laughs> but he wasn't in the hatch. He was leaving the hatch. Yeah, but there's, but you can kind of argue that Echo was able to get out. Maybe, maybe. 
like a big maybe. Because he was running back into the hatch when Charlie was leaving. Yeah. Because he was going to try and save John, I think. And how did John get out of there? Didn't Doesn't Charlie get him out? Does he? <laughs> I'm sorry. I love it when your reaction is like, does he? Or did it? <laughs> or anything like that. I just, that cracks me up. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is another one of those moments when it, it kind of is left up to interpretation because you and I, I mean, it's very clear that you and I are kind of seeing it a little differently. You know, I see it as in like whatever happened, whatever that energy was, remove Desmond from that moment. And it was only a moment. Um, but he kind of, his life flashed before his eyes, as he said, in that moment. And, you know, when that moment was over, it returned him after the implosion had already happened. So maybe it was a couple moments that took him out, uh, took him out of reality. Um, I just, I don't, me personally looking at it, I don't see how it could have been just a flashback. Because he was able to interact. Nobody else has been able to do that. I think this is a form of time travel. I mean, you're probably right because the show definitely has an emphasis on time travel, especially starting uh, next season. Yeah. But, I, you know, at, at this point in the story, maybe it's a foreshadow to the fact that we're about to get into the, the time travel elements of the show. But if we're just looking at this episode as a standalone, considering his capabilities after the hatch and um, and just I, I just I, I can't I don't know. This is this is one of those this is one of those parts of 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 loss that actually just stumps me as to what is happening. It's a I, I'm I, I apologize for the language I'm about to use, but this is one of those moments in loss that is a true mindfuck. Oh, I use worse language on this. Podcast. I know, I know you do, I, but it's still, you know, <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> what? That I apologized? You're like, sorry, I'm about to swear. My <laughs> my sailor swearing partner over here, she doesn't care. <laughs> my partner who has a mouth that makes truckers blush. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I know. I love it though. I'm charming. You are charming. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's I'm fucking charming. It's, it's one of the, <laughs> it's it's one of those moments from the series, in which we have a few that that really is a mindfuck, and it's just because it really makes you think, like, what the hell is going on? Uh, you know what? Well, I mean, this this episode can be taken as face value, and people are like, okay, that was a flashback, and he had you know some kind of weird experience, and now he's back. Or if you really dive into you know, what what this means for the rest of the show, knowing the full picture of this show as well, you know, you look at this episode completely differently than you would say the first time that you watch it. Because this is the first time that something like this is introduced into the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For certain. So, yeah, it's it's a matter of how you look at it. And it's it's all up to perspective at this point, at which this show does a great job of doing when it comes to a number of different things is that it leaves it up to the perspective of the viewer. So um, anything else on your list you wanted to bring up? Um, no, I mean, the, the one thing was, you know, we get introduced to Eloise Hawking. Um, you know, you can kind of tell that she is going to be a character on the show. She has that feel to her. She feels flushed out. 
Um, maybe not, we didn't know like to the extent of what her character was eventually going to be. She, she turns out to be, uh, probably just as important as Charles Woodmore. Um, they're definitely a, uh, an evil power couple, if you will. Yeah, for certain. Um, and they're, uh, they're, they're going to play much bigger parts of this series uh, because we're going to find out, again, spoiler alert, but not only are both of these people important to everything that is happening, uh, they have also both been to the island. They have, they have both, oh, even yeah. at this point in their lives, they have been on that island before. They have led on that island. They have lived on that island. Yep. Um, so they probably yeah, made it, a baby on that island. Would they have been able to, though? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're going to be very important characters. They're going to they're going to have much bigger roles going forward. Yeah, this is just our first real introductions to some of these characters. And I'll tell you, when Daniel Faraday enters into this show, I get very excited. He was one of my favorite characters that that was added into the cast. I love the group that he's with, Miles and Charlotte, and even the pilot whose name I'm forgetting. Frank, oh, I think is his Frank. name. Yep. Oh, God. Miles, Miles, Charlotte, and Faraday are such an interesting trifecta of characters. I, I really, I get really, really excited when... Um, when I think about that part of the show. And so I think I'm like overly excited because this episode, this episode introduces his mom who, and, and, you know, you also get Charles Woodmore and you get Penny and, and Desmond and this whole uh, different, different side of lost. It's away from the Jack, Kate, Sawyer, Jin, Saeed, like it, it, it's the complexities of this show that is in this side of the story that, to me, makes this series so much more interesting. Yeah. And and that's the thing, too. I mean, you know, when it comes to I know people have issues with the show and that's perfectly fine. You're allowed to have your issues with the series. But, you know, if the show had continued for six seasons with just the characters that we've already been introduced to, the show absolutely would have gotten stale. You need to introduce those new characters, those new faces, and those new stories to keep the show fresh. And you're absolutely right. When we are introduced to Miles, to Charlotte, to uh, to Faraday, to Frank, um, to Kevin Johnson, who we'll talk about later, um, who in some ways is a new character, but you've already met him, uh, <laughs> the story becomes so much more interesting again like mm -hmm. it, it definitely refreshes the show again they're so in they're so interesting yet enig enigmatic characters well and what's really cool is that lost knew that that needed to happen which you know this is before people knew that you needed to change it up every couple of years if you were going to keep the viewer engaged you know walking dead uh walking dead got very stale for a while. And when they introduced the Whisperers, they launched a brand new, fresh set of of ideas and storylines for the show for the better. And they've pretty much revamped that show, in my oh, opinion. Can, can, can I tell you that I, I was getting so bored with The Walking Dead over the last two seasons, but my attention is right back in at this season. Right. Oh, this season is phenomenal. The, I, I mean, the, the, this is just an aside, but... 
I have last week's episode legit freaked me out. It was just the last two episodes freaked me out. Like I, I look, I scare very easily, but. <laughs> But I was just like, I'm sitting there and I kept looking behind me and Dave's like, what are you doing? I go, I don't know. I feel like they're here. I feel like they're in our house. Okay. I don't feel good. <laughs> um, but, you know, shows do that. You know, they they see that they need to change. They make the change and it's for the better. And I think that Lost did that before they knew that that was kind of the secret formula of the longevity of a show. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so it's it's going to be we're getting to some interesting stuff even before we get to those characters in, that we mentioned. Um this this season alone is going to get very very interesting by the end. Uh we're going to definitely get more about Dharma and what Dharma really was before, you know, the others came along. Um you know, we're we're going to see new stations on the island uh including the um oh god, what's the one the underwater one. Um, Hydra. The Hydra station. Yeah. Uh, we still haven't met the Russian yet. We're going to meet him re relatively soon. Um, next week's episode, Stranger in a Strange Land, is another flash, is another Jack flashback, um, which, if I remember correctly, I wasn't too crazy about the episode because it's a lot of his time in Phuket. Um, but the. Oh, the tattoos. Yeah. But. The following episode that we're going to talk about in two episodes, Trisha Tanaka is Dead, is one of my absolute favorites of the series. Well, I think that it is actually regarded as one of, if not the best episode of the series. It's it's a Hurley flashback, and it, there are so many great moments. It has one of my absolute favorite moments mm -hmm, when it comes to when it comes to Hurley and Charlie. The the whole van scene at the end, like, is just, God, it warms my heart every time I watch it. I agree. Like, the smile on my face when I watch that scene is so huge. Like, I can't wait to talk about Trisha Tanaka's dad. Well, I'm excited, too. But, I mean, like, you know, looking forward at the rest of the series, we get the man from Tallahassee, which is a another lock story, which, oh my God, like that's a mind, that's another mind fuck episode right there. Not because it <laughs> messes with your mind, but the revelations that are made in that episode. I think mm -hmm. that's when we finally find out how Locke was paralyzed. Uh, that, yeah, I think, I think that you're right. I think that's the episode. And then we follow it up with expose, which well, that'll be fun. Um, Cause that's a Nikki and Paolo flashback. God. <laughs> uh, Gemma really likes that episode. I know she does. We love Gemma. So she's already. Gemma, you know what? Gemma, if you'd like to come on and, and guest on that episode, that would be fun. Reach, Yeah, reach out to us. Send us an email and, and let us know if you want to do it. And if you can, I, we know that, you know, you're obviously in a very different time zone, but we'll figure out a way to make it work. Hey, I've podcasted with my friend in New Zealand, man. I can do anything. Yeah, I'm, I, I know you can. 17 hour difference. So we'll make it work. We'll make it work somehow. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of stuff still yet to happen when it comes to uh, comes to this year. Just this season alone, there's a lot of stuff left, left to happen. But I'm looking forward to it. Really looking forward. Me to too. It. I think I, I I love season three a lot, a lot. Um, 
If you have feedback you want to leave us, there are multiple ways that you can do that. Uh, first and foremost, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash lost revisited. We are on Twitter at lost revisit pod. Uh, you can email us at lost revisited pod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a message, you can record yourself and send it to our email address. Also, if you happen to see us on Instagram, um, can you find out our password, please? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love that we still bring that up every week. <laughs> uh, we actually don't have any feedback this week. The only feedback we had was from our buddy Des, and we kind of mentioned it already. He just he sent an email and it just said, We still don't all, we still don't know why Desmond was running through the was naked running through the jungle. I'm gonna go with he was reborn. That's a good answer. I like it. Um, so since we don't have any feedback, I want to bring up two two things real quick. Um, one of them loosely related to Lost. The other one is absolutely Lost related. Uh, the first one is, did you happen to see the final Star Wars trailer? No, on purpose. Well, I will just make quick mention then without spoiling anything. Uh, we get a very quick glimpse of Dominic Monaghan and his role in the Star Trek, in the Star Wars oh, series. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, gosh. I might have to watch he, it. There, there is a very, Dave, very quick clip of Dominic in the trailer. He makes the trailer. So Dave, um, Dave couldn't help himself. My husband, for anybody that doesn't know when I say Dave, um, Dave is the biggest Star Wars fan in the whole world. He's the one that got me into it and my kids into it. And now we're a Star Wars family because of my husband. Um, and so he he emailed me or texted me the other day and he said, I, I couldn't hold out. He goes, I'm weak. And so he watched the trailer and he said, he promises it didn't look like it had any like spoilers or it wasn't like too much information. I don't think whatever, it does. Because I get real weird about that. Um, I, but I'll give you a funny story. He said it was like, he was like really excited and he wanted to watch it like right oh, now. Oh, I've watched the trailer at least 10 times. I'm in double digits. No, no, he wants to watch the movie like oh, right now. so do I. So here's, so here's the thing. Uh, tickets went on sale Monday night. Um, they, they've done that for the past three movies. They show the trailer during Monday night football. And then at the end of the trailer, it says tickets on sale now. And that's opening for ticket sale. Uh, the trailer didn't air till like quarter to nine, but tickets actually went on sale at eight o'clock. So I was actually with a group of people recording a podcast that night, but we knew the moment tickets went on sale, we were going to have to break. Like it was like, okay, like we'll, we'll edit the break out, but the moment tickets, tickets go on sale, we have to stop and buy the tickets. Mm -hmm. So we started recording at literally 7.55, thinking we had about 45 minutes to an hour before the trailer aired. Now, Rob, my DC primetime co-host, was also the host of this pod. This is his Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods podcast. Um, while we're recording, he's constantly hitting refresh on the, the ticket sales because we have a group of 22 people going. So we had to buy 22 tickets. We had to buy 22 tickets to see Star Wars. And we knew if we didn't get them from the beginning, we weren't getting 22 tickets. Like it was going to be impossible. So but Rob just had this feeling tickets were going to go on sale before they announced it. So we started recording at like seven fifty. like it was seven fifty seven was when we started recording because I remember we were only three minutes into the recording. We're in, we're still on the process of doing the introduction and all of a sudden he's like, we got to stop. We got to stop. And it like, <laughs> it like dead stop. We dead stopped and we ended up getting 
all 22 tickets. We got an entire row plus six seats behind it. Because that's awesome. Because people didn't know they were on sale yet. We beat the rush. So anyway, so there were six of us there recording this podcast. So we're recording this podcast and it took us till probably like 1030 to finish recording. But in the back of our minds, we're like, the new trailer is online. We need to watch this new trailer. Like as soon as we're done recording, that's what we're doing. And we're watching together, which was a cool aspect of it because none of us had ever watched the new trailers together before. And I will mm-hmm. I will tell you, as somebody, as I'm sure it's it is for you and it is for my friends that were there. Star Wars has I I have not lived in a my life has never not had Star Wars in it. Yeah. For 42 years this saga has been going and I'm turning 40 next month. So I, I've known Star Wars all my life. So for this saga to come to an end, it's really emotional. So mm-hmm. we watched this final trailer and I shit you not, there were tears in all of our eyes. Aww. Because because oh god, I'm getting choked up now. Um because and that's the thing, like this saga has been a part of our lives for 40 plus years. So it's very emotional for it to come to an end. And like I know ticket sales are already like eclipsing Avengers Endgame, which is ridiculous because Avengers Endgame was massive. And, you know, it came up in conversation like, well, if you had to choose between Star Wars Rise of Skywalker and, and Avengers Endgame, what would you choose? I'm like, I love Marvel, but it's Star Wars. It's Star Wars. Because, and that's the thing. I'm like, Marvel was 10 years. Star Wars has been 40 of my life. Like, uh, there's no question in my mind. It's Star Wars. And I know and right. I know we're getting more Star Wars movies after this. There's a new trilogy planned. No, no, no. But not a Skywalker yeah, the, story. This is the end of the Skywalker series this, of the, the saga, of the original yeah, story. This saga ends. I mean, with this movie. Hey, you want to cover it? You want to do a podcast on it? <coughs> we can. What, the whole saga or just this movie? Uh, yes. Okay. So, yeah. So, it, I, I, I know we... I'll have Dave come on so you and Dave can talk a lot more <laughs> intelligently than me saying, that was cool, man. I love well, it. Well, Woo! here's the thing, too. There is, apparently, there is a, a reference to the animated series in the trailer in this final trailer to star Wars rebels. And I've never watched clone wars or rebels. I'm rebels is so good. You have to every, watch it. It's everybody's so telling me that. So I have officially started with clone wars and rebels. Um, and I'm pushing through them. How far are you? At rebels? I, I haven't started rebels yet because I want to get through clone wars for first, but clone wars is like six seasons. So my buddy, Mike, who is a huge star Wars aficionado, he's like, Here's the episodes you need to watch to prepare for Rebels. You don't need to watch anything else of Clone Wars. Just watch these. It's like, because Rebels is like 200 and some odd, epi- or Clone Wars is like 200 and some odd episodes. He's like, here's the 44 episodes of Clone Wars you need to watch. Then just go in the Rebels. He's like, don't even worry about the rest of Clone Wars. So I'm now on that journey. We haven't seen it. We haven't seen Clone Wars, but um, we we're almost done with with Rebels. We watch it as a family, and Great British Baking Show kind of got us off the Rebels train. But we'll be back yeah. on Rebels shortly. And the kids are always like, "Can we watch Rebels?" We're like, "But yeah. it, there's a new. It's Pastry Week." <laughs> so I mean, like, I I know you want me to watch New Girl and everything, but I've officially said, with the exception of the po- the shows, I have to watch for podcasts. Everything else is on hold right now until I can get through Clone Wars and Rebels because I have literally a month and a half to get it done. 
before Star Wars. So, you can get Rebels done easy. They're they're twenty one minute episodes. Oh yeah, same with Clone Wars. They're only twenty two minute episodes. So I'll, I have no doubt I'll get through it, but I want to make sure I get through it. So I'm pushing through them first, and then I'll go back. Then I'll resume everything else that I'm watching. So we got off topic only because I mentioned Dominic Monaghan in the trailer. Hey, but I that's have, fine. <laughs> I have watched the trailer. Like I said, no lie, I'm in double digits on the number of times I've watched that trailer. And I get emotional every time I watch it. I cannot wait. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up is I saw this article online. This absolutely pertains to uh, to to Lost. Uh, Lost 15th anniversary. Daniel Day Kim has an interesting theory about the smoke monster. Uh, and I'll oh, read this article. Oh, yeah, read it. it. It's it's not that long, so I'll read it in, in entirely. Uh, Fifteen years after the severe after the series premiered of Lost, Daniel Day Kim, who played series regular Jin Su Kwan, still remembers his first encounter with the smoke monster. He didn't know what it was, but he was directed to treat it like the scariest thing you've ever seen. Uh, he's quoted as saying, "We were all supposed to gather around the wing of the plane and look off into the jungle." The note was, there's something out there and you don't know what it is, but it's the scariest thing you've ever heard. That was my introduction to the smoke monster. Though he and his castmates had a lot of questions about that infamous column of smoke, the writers kept them in the dark about any explanations until season five or six, he recalled. It was a big mystery to us as it was to the audience. So even as we're trying to figure it out, they had no idea what it was. Um, so before we had the security system explanation for the ticking, ratcheting, murderous, shape-shifting man in black, <laughs> the actor, the actors were left to come up with their own theories. And he's quoted again as saying, I remember thinking that the smoke monster must be some kind of mirror for your consciousness and your goodness as a human being. The idea that I was playing with was that if you were good inside, you would be safe. If you were not, it would be the harbinger of your doom. Uh, he recalled the scene from this fifth episode of season five, This Place is Death, in which Jin, while unstuck in time, tries to help the recently shipwrecked Daniel Rousseau uh, and her team before the smoke monster grabs one of the men by his feet and drags them down into the hole that leads to its underground lair. I tried to think about who was taken by the smoke monster and why, and just making deductions. That's when I went into thinking about in that. That's what I went into thinking about in that scene. We're acting to nothing. We're acting to the air. There was always something unknown to Jin a little bit on that island. It wasn't hard to find a space for not knowing what that smoke monster was. So that was his portrayal. And that was his take as to when he was uh, trying to figure out, like find motivation for what the smoke monster was. I love that. I love Daniel Day Kim. Yeah, he's another the one. The show got, was yeah. never the same um, after he left Hawaii Five-0. You know what? I I disagree with that. I think it's still good. I still love that show. Um, we fell it, off. Especially because Jorge Garcia came on for a while. Yeah, I mean, he's great, but I just, I really, really love Daniel Day Kim on that show. So do I. And I feel like he was kind of done wrong a little bit by the series, too. So, but yeah, I he was a good reason as to why I started watching it. No, he was the reason why I started watching it. Uh, I still like it. I mean, the show's been going on for almost 10 years. So actually, I think it's in its 10th season. Uh, yeah, it's uh, total yeah, junk food. I love it. I love it, though. There have been so episodes of that show that have made me so emotional because they touch on things that are so well done. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, so, I mean, with that, let's just kind of throw some recommendations out there and, uh, and we'll, we'll, and we'll sign off. 
So I don't know if you have anything you want to recommend to the peeps this week. So I watched the very first episode of the new uh, season of Castle Rock last night, and it's awesome. I still need to watch the first season. Awesome. Well, it's an anthology, so you can actually watch the second season without having watched the first season. It's totally fine. Okay. Um, but it, it is setting up to be completely different from the first season and it, it hooked me right in. I'm, I'm totally into the story. Um, so yeah, that, and then earlier I said Walking Dead, I, Walking Dead, man, it's, it's great this season. I'm, yeah, it's really good. It's so good. And I'm just, um, you know, it's it's Denai Guerrera's last season. So I'm really interested to see how that's going to all shake out. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, we know that she's leaving and we know that Lauren Cohan is coming back next season. So yeah, next I, season or next or the second half? I thought it was next season, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um. My recommendation for this week, I don't know if anybody's ever seen this. And Kristen, this is another one for you, too, if you haven't seen it before. Uh, There is a series on YouTube that I absolutely love. Uh, I don't watch YouTube. (laughs) Well, you might when when this because trust me, this is a great series. Um, There's a series on YouTube, if you haven't heard of before, called Hot Ones. Um, And basically what it is, it's an interview series. It's a one on one interview series with the host and his guest. And it they run probably anywhere from like 25 minutes to a half hour an episode. And it's basically he's interviewing them while they're eating hot wings. And, <laughs> and the hot wings get progressively hotter and hotter and hotter through 10 different stages as they go along. Um, there have been some fantastic... Terry Crews has been on and it was great. One of his most recent episodes, it was the second... To, not the last episode, the episode before that, um, is with Paul Rudd. And it is it has become one of my... I've seen like Gordon Ramsay, Ashton Kutcher. Um, you know, there's been... A, uh, Alton Brown, Gordon Ramsay. There's been a number of people on. Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones was actually his latest guest. Oh, cool. Um, the Paul Rudd one is has become my favorite episode of that series. Because he's just... God, I just want him to be my best friend. Like he is so fucking charming. It is ridiculous. Oh, Paul Rudd is the best. He I, like he is so absolutely ridiculously charming and friendly that I love it. Like one of the yeah. one of the questions that he asks him is it and he's so funny. Like and one of the questions that the ho- and the host is great. Like he's so good at interviewing. He asks Paul Rudd, he's like, "What do you think about the whole Ant-Man flying up Thanos's ass?" to end the whole thing kind of theory that's out there. And Paul Rudd looks at him, he's like, I feel like they missed an opportunity. And that was his only <laughs> response to it. And it's like, fantastic. <laughs> so, but like, it's it's great listening to the answers that they're giving because they're so engaging, but yet at the same time, watching them reacting to these hot sauces that when I tell you move up in scale, like we're talking like, Easy, like Frank's hot sauce, which is maybe like a 4,000 on the Scoville scale, to the hot sauce at the end is like a 4 million on the Scoville scale. Like, ridiculous. I wouldn't make it. Oh, I wouldn't make it through the first three. (laughs) I wouldn't make it through the first three. But it's it's so fun to watch, and I just love it. So my recommendation for is, is the Hot One series if you haven't watched it yet. 
Awesome. I'm going to check yeah, it out. You should. And you don't have to watch them all. Just watch through the celebrities that you know, because that's, you know, they're the fun ones. Kristen Bell has done it. Uh, Dax Shepard's done it. Stone Cold Steve Austin. There's God, there's so many, so many people, so many big names that have done it. Um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I think other than that, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Unless you've got anything else. I got nothing else. All right. Uh, so as we mentioned next week, next episode, we're going to talk about um, uh, Stranger in a Strange Land, which is another Jack episode. And again, it'll be interesting because I don't remember. I don't remember much about this episode, and I don't think I remember being crazy about this episode. But we'll see. I have to rewatch and find out. All right. Uh, but with that being said, thank you so much for everything, for listening, for subscribing, for commenting on Facebook, everything that you guys do. Be sure to leave us feedback. Uh, but until next time, we'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. Take care. Bye-bye. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back!